Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatt rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia. He's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and this is the Big Fight Reaction. Revenge it was indeed for Chris Eubank Jr. as he beats Liam Smith in the rematch. And I was actually there for this fight. It wasn't something I'd intended to go to, but big thanks to my pal Elliot Stott back at ESBR Boxing. He was able to secure two tickets and he thought of me being in Manchester so I was able to get there with my wife and we was able to go to the show and actually watch it live which was fantastic and you know a really good experience for her she'd never been to a big live boxing event so it was good to be able to go with my wife and, and share that moment and watch her enjoy being at an event like that for the first time but the fight itself oh there's so many talking points to go through in this episode guys and it is just me on this episode Johnston is still living it up in sunny Spain he's back next week but I am here to talk through all the points and everything that I witnessed last night not just in the ring but around the arena which was quite horrendous and then you had the controversy of certain moments of the fight and now I'm not going to say excuses after the fight but pretty much they are excuses after the fight so I'm, I'm really excited to talk about it because I'm really excited to get into the nitty-gritty of what we look at in this sport and things that we really don't like and annoy us as fans, you know, when we hear these things happen in the aftermath of big fights like this. And, you know, I've got talking points for the Liam Smith-Chris Eubank Jr. fight, of course. I was there to witness pretty much all of the cards, so I will talk about the fights that I watched on that card. And then, of course, Lyndon Arthur, back from the jaws of defeat, to somehow manage to pick up the IBO light heavyweight title in what was a fight which he was losing 
and he was losing quite badly as well, in my opinion. But I'll come to that a little bit later on in the show. This episode focuses on the Liam Smith-Chris Eubank Jr. fight, which is what I covered in the preview. And I'm wondering what everybody's reactions are to it. I have seen people's reactions on social media, what people are thinking about it. But now I think the problem is, is Liam Smith's come out and said that he had to cut £42 for this fight. I mean, what professional gets themselves that overweight ahead of a big fight like this? Now, I've watched the press conference, guys, and I've seen what he said, and what he's basically said for anybody that hasn't watched it was that he had a back injury, it postponed the fight earlier this year, and he wasn't able to get back into camp because of the back injury. So there was a few weeks where he weren't able to do anything when camp well, was supposed to be officially started. So he had a really short space of time to drop £42, is what he was saying, in a nutshell, which I think is quite unprofessional, to be honest, and I don't give a monkey's what the Smith brothers think about those comments from myself. At the end of the day, he's there, he's the professional, he's supposed to be getting paid X amount of pounds to do this fight, and yet he had to cut so much weight in such a short space of time. For whatever reason, he was overweight, whether he was overindulging, whether it was just because he said he couldn't train because of injuries. I, you know, I understand elements of what he's saying, but for me personally, it's like if I'm a consummate professional, which is what Liam has been for all of his career, and then you get to this point of your career where you've been able to do it for so long, and then you say to the press afterwards, I was 42 pounds overweight, and I had to try and cut that way, and that is why I was so flat in the fight. Not to mention, in the second round, he really rolled over on his ankle, so that really didn't help. What I will say is, besides the negative, the positive that I'll give him on this is that he, he's got bollocks, and he hung it in there, and he didn't quit. Now, that was something Eubank was talking about in the post-fight press conference, was about there's this mentality now that seems to be creeping into the sport about fighters quitting. He talked about... Daniel Dubois, talked about Dave Allen on the same show, which we'll come to as I talk through this episode. And he gave credit to Liam Smith for basically going in there and, and not quitting, even though he was very flat in the fight and it was a really drab performance from him. You know, I've got to give him credit for saying stuff like that and coming out. And people don't like what he always says. My wife hates Chris Eubank Jr. She thinks he's an arrogant so-and-so. And she really wanted to see him get knocked out when we was there last night watching it. But fair play to him. You know, he put on a really good performance. People were raving about it on TalkSport afterwards. They were all raving that, oh, it's the best performance of Chris Eubank Jr.'s career. But now Liam Smith comes out and says this. To me, then it makes me think, well, was it because of that why Chris Eubank Jr. performed so well? Because Liam just looked dead at the weight. He just looked absolutely spent from the moment the fight started. Now, I watched the fight thinking that Liam would try and systematically break Eubank down like the first fight, and me and Johnston both predicted that Liam would win this fight and how wrong we were and how wrong many other people were within the sport of boxing as well. They thought Liam would win this rematch. Eubanks looked good, his combinations looked great, but at times it looked like he was fighting a punching bag. He looked like he was fighting somebody who was there just to make up the numbers. And it might be a harsh criticism of Liam and the guys that listen that you might be big fans of Liam, you're not going to like that comment. But that's how he looked, that's how he... I perceived him yesterday as, as just like a walking bunch bag. And it was sad to see, to be honest, because ultimately I thought we, Liam would win and, and I was kind of rooting for him to win. And then it was more frustrating to watch him not be able to do anything and wonder why. 
And obviously, when you're watching it not from ringside and you're watching it as a fan in the, in the stands, you don't really get to see everything that you would normally get to see on the TV. So the thing of him rolling his ankle, I didn't see that happen. So I didn't really notice that until after the fight, until people were posting about it on social media. So, you know, I've had a look at it today and I've had a look at the, the press conferences and everything that I've spoke about just kind of makes me feel it's a little bit anticlimactic in, in the aftermath of it all. You know, we've got excuses about why I was so flat. We've got Eubank Jr. seemingly doing like a uh, a turn from a, from a heel to a face overnight. You know, he's gone from a bad guy to a good guy in some people's estimations now because not only of his performance, but some of the stuff he was saying in the post-fight press conference as well. And then you had Conor Ben who was there. He was saying he'd smoke Eubank in, what, four rounds, I think he was saying. And... It was funny because uh, Eubank actually said in the post-fight press conference, uh, he was asked a question about Conor Ben's comments, and um, I think it was something along the lines of Eubank said he must be still having that juice in his system, referring to, obviously, the drugs testing issues that he's had that scuppered their fight last October. But ultimately, the fight was a little bit of a anticlimactic fight, lacklustre in my opinion. It didn't really live up to the hype of a rematch. And then obviously you hear the excuses in the aftermath of it and then you it kind of explains why it wasn't as good as, as what it was. And he had Liam down with a really good uppercut. I think it was the third or fourth round. And then ultimately he started to really go to work on him as the rounds went on. And by the 10th, that was it. He was done. TKO in the 10th round. Chris Eubank Jr. wins the rematch. And does it call for a third fight between the two now because they won a piece? Is the justification for that fight to happen, a third fight? Well... I'm not so sure. I mean, one apiece, you'd think there'd be a trilogy now. You'd make a really good domestic trilogy. But let's be honest, everybody that's within the business side of this sport is going to be rooting for a Conor Ben-Chris Eubank fight that was supposed to have happened. You know, that's going to make money. Even someone like Sonny Edwards was saying last night, he was saying, fuck it, let's put them in Wembley Stadium, Chris Eubank, Conor Ben. You know, I think people do want to see the fight now, regardless of this whole drugs testing issue. They want to see it. Do I want to see it? In the right circumstances, yes. If drugs testing is done correctly, yes. Then maybe I can I can agree to sort of saying, you know, that that's fair enough. That's 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 a fight that I'll watch. But the problem is, is there's still no clarity over Conor Ben, is there? And and that's the problem for me. How can you put a fight on like that when there's been no clarity over it and the border controller making an appeal against the decision about him being cleared? And then we heard Liam Smith's trainer, Joe McNally, in the build-up to the fight, the day before the fight, talking about the fact that there was no VADA testing for the Smith-Eubank fight as well. Even though Chris Eubank Jr. posted that he'd been tested, I think it was by UCAD, but there were no VADA testing. So, you know, it's getting a little bit convoluted now as fans. You know, we're getting... I think there's too much stuff going around which may, it's making people speculate too much about what's going on. And before, in the past, when you think about drugs testing and, and, and all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes, you kind of, you weren't privy to it. We weren't privy to it as fans. And I think it was more simpler that way as, as a boxing fan. It was more simpler to to not really know the ins and outs of a cat's ass and just enjoy the build-ups and the fights for what they were. Whereas now everything's about, oh, testing this, testing that, testing. Okay, I don't agree with it if someone pops for it. 100% I understand it has to be called out but it's just made it so convoluted and then you get people that think they're experts in medical science you get people that think they're experts in boxing all coming out of the woodwork talking about it and and it, it really 
it makes it difficult. It makes it very convoluted and saturated in the media about what is true and what is not. And, and I think that's really frustrating. And this is what mars the sport even more with this sort of stuff. But the point I was making is, would I see Conor Ben versus Chris Eubank Jr.? And yeah, yeah, I would in the right circumstances. But at the moment, it's whether they take the Smith rematch, whether there's a third fight on the table, whether it's worth having that fight. I mean, it would make money again. The Smith fans would certainly want to see it. Would Eubank want to take it again? Maybe. Maybe he feels like he doesn't need to because he was so good at what he did last night. And I heard a comment on TalkSport. I can't remember which which one it was, whether it was Spencer Oliver or Gareth Davis. Uh, they said that that was the best Eubank performance he'd seen of his career. Now, if Liam Smith wouldn't have come out and said he had to cut £42 in the post-fight press conference and those excuses came, then maybe I kind of would have agreed that that was a better performance of Chris Eubank Jr.'s. But because of what Smith's now saying, now it makes me think, well, he was obviously dead at the weight. So, of course, he was going to look really good against a guy that weren't really throwing anything back throughout the course of a fight. So, take that as you will, guys. Watch the fight back, listen to the comments, listen to the post-fight presser, and then you tell yourself whether you then believe that that was the best performance of Eubank's career because I genuinely don't think it was. Uh, could I name another better performance? Um, not off the top of my head, no. I'll be honest, guys. I couldn't, I couldn't name one off the top of my head at this moment in time, but I don't think that was his best performance. Knowing he was fighting a guy who was dead at the weight and suffering with an injury from round number two, that just makes it more balls if Liam Smith as a fighter that he's he's gone and done it and then admitted that he's messed up and that he was having to cut weight so rapidly and it just doesn't look good as as a professional fighter that he's that he's admitted that and fair play to him for admitting it but you know you're a professional if you've got to lose what three three and a half stone ahead of a big fight like this and you're not giving yourself enough time to do it then what were you doing in the meantime and I understand, again, that, you know, if he wasn't training because of his back, fair enough, but surely you can watch what you're eating, surely. Like, when these people that are nutritionists always say, like, with regards to boxing and making weight, it is, like, 80 or 90% diet and 10% exercise. So, if that's the case, then why wasn't he able to maintain a really good diet whilst he wasn't able to train for it. And then, once he was into training, you know, he surely it would have helped him with his weight. I mean, nutritionists out there, you could probably tell me otherwise on that. I'm not educated in it, so I can't honestly say I know for sure that, that that's the case and that's why this happened with Liam Smith. But for me, you know, looking at it from the outside in, he should have been able to make the weight. He should have been giving himself good enough time to make the weight. And if he's not been able to do that, then... For me, that that doesn't really look good on him as a, a professional and as a fighter. So I'd be inclined to be going back to the drawing board and seriously thinking about what's next in my boxing career. There's definitely scope for him to take that third fight if if Eubank so wants it. But I think there's bigger money fights potentially on the table for him now. So there, there were my main talking points from the actual fight yesterday. But I do want to highlight like how horrendous it was yesterday in the arena and as I said earlier guys I took my wife to that event and it was the first big boxing event she'd been to she'd done some small hall shows she'd come on the shows with me and she'd uh, she'd help me out on the shows but she'd never been to an event of, of that magnitude at the uh, Manchester Arena or AO Arena 
as it's now called, and she'd never been able to experience it. And it was great. It was great. The experience is great for her up until just before the entrances for Smith and Eubank. A few rows behind us, there was fighting going on up there. Then during the fight, we must have witnessed five, maybe six different brawls across the arena. And it was it was quite sad to see that and horrendous to see that because there were kids there. There were young lads going there that were there with the mothers and the fathers to experience a night such as that. And I watched one guy topple from the top of the steps at the AO Arena all the way down to the bottom. And I don't even know if that guy like survived. That guy could be dead for all I know. But... With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. That is just horrendous. Like, what, what sort of behavior is that at, at, at an event like that? Like, not just one fight. You expect it, at least one. When there's, like, 20,000 people packed in an arena, you expect at least one group to kick off at some point. But there was about six different incidents yesterday. I watched some guy tackle some guy over about four or five different rows of seats. I've seen a guy from top to bottom on the steps. I've seen guys just absolutely scrapping with each other in the crowd. And it's no regard for people around them, no regard for their own safety. And it just makes me wonder, as a separate note to this episode like why go to a show why pay 70 to 100 pounds and end up in that position why do it i genuinely genuinely don't understand why people would go to a show and get so drunk or so drugged out of their minds that they would absolutely ruin it for themselves and everybody else because they think they're 10 men when they've had a drink and they've had a bit of sniff you know, what's going on in the world? What is going on in the world? I couldn't believe it. My, my wife was quite mortified by not just the fact that there was one fight, but the fact that there was about six or seven. Like, it was horrendous. And she couldn't believe, like, the amount of people. And she said to me, like, this is why I worry about you going and covering these shows because this is the sort of stuff that happens. But I didn't realise it was this bad. And admittedly, I'd never seen that many at a boxing event. And I've done some of the big boxing events, never seen that many fights happen in an arena. Like, that was ridiculous last night. So, 
the guys at the AO Arena, the uh, company that were covering it, Showsec, you know, they just didn't seem to know what to do. They didn't seem to know how to deal with the situation. It was like they wasn't prepared or trained for these incidents, which is which is a shame, really, because I used to work for a company years ago that were in that market, and I used to do a lot of concerts and events like that, and we were always trained to deal with things in a certain way, and I just saw a lot of guys that didn't want to get involved, didn't want to be involved in that situation, didn't want to help restrain the situation, and at the end of the day, it's for the safety of not only the people that are involved, but the safety of the people around them as well. And, you know, I know a lady who went last night with her son and she said she had to leave after the ninth round because it was that bad near her with the fighting. You know, her son couldn't witness the end of the fight, which is a shame and it shouldn't be like that. So, guys, if you ever go to an event like that, you know, you need to have your wits about you. That, that was horrendous last night. And, you know, it just kind of puts a really bad skid mark on, on the sport and, and on fans as well. And then even when the fight had ended and we left the arena, there was there were guys running outside ripping the shirts off, like literally ready for fights. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not behind the door with events and, and things that happen at events and outside on the street. And, you know, I've had my fair share of nights out here and there and I've seen stuff. But it just felt like a completely different breed last night after that fight. It was, I really, really didn't understand it. I really couldn't comprehend like how bad things had gotten in society you know that that people felt the need to act that way and it, it's really sad so if you ever go to a boxing event you really need to be have your wits about you and you really need to be on the ball because you really don't know what's going to happen around you so that's a little bit of a rant from from me about what happened at the AO arena last night and I'm not going to keep it on a negative note I'm going to talk about the rest of the show which I was there to witness, of course. And it all started out for me. I watched Florian Marku absolutely obliterate my friend Dylan Moran. Dylan Moran, who had been working with since the very early days of my work with inboxing media. It was nice to see him get to a big stage. But unfortunately for him, he was absolutely outgunned and obliterated within 52 seconds of the first round. And all the talk in the week... Prior to the fight, I honestly thought Dylan would, would have a really good chance of maybe outboxing Florian. As soon as Florian landed, it was that was it. He was done. He, he couldn't take it. And the referee stopped the fight in the first round after he took some punishment. And Florian moves on. And he wants big fights in this welterweight division. He's calling out the likes of Conor Benny. He, he wants these big names. And I think he's probably ready for him now, to be honest. I think he's, you know, he's had some good tests. He's not always looked fantastic, but he's certainly got a fan-friendly style, which could make for really good fights with someone like a Conor Ben or with someone else like a Chris Congo in the welterweight division who he shoved in the lead up to this fight as well. So I am genuinely interested now as to what step up and what level of step up that they're actually going to give Florian as he moves on in his career. He's definitely worked hard and improved from where he was a couple of years ago. He's definitely looking a little bit better than just a slugger and a brawler now. He's starting to really formulate his style within the ring as the fights have gone on. So that was the first fight I tuned into. I watched Michaela Mayer beat Sylvia Bortot as well. She absolutely boxed her head off for 10 rounds. It was a, it was one of them fights where, you know, if you're going to go for a, a drink or a toilet break, that was it because Michaela really was uh, just a level above. And to be fair, you know, it was good to see her in action live. I'd not had the opportunity to do that. So it was good to, to watch her footwork and her movement more close up than than what I would on the telly. So I was quite happy to, to tune in for that as well. I didn't get to see Lauren Price, who was on a little bit earlier than when I arrived. But I did get to see 
Fraser Clark and Dave Allen, which was an absolute torrid and scrappy affair. And I wasn't so sure what I was going to make of this fight, actually, when it, it started. I thought, you know, he's, what, what sort of shape is Dave in? He doesn't look in great shape, but does he ever look in great shape when he comes into the ring? And then he got in and he, he you know, he was quite, he spoiled a lot in this fight. He used experience against Fraser a lot. And Fraser got really frustrated and started throwing a a few low blows to prompt two point deductions off the referee from the referee Mark Lyson, who was the referee for this fight. And I thought he was actually going to end up getting disqualified, to be honest with you. Uh, but then it was really strange. Uh, he's, he's, he was retired by his corner. And now I can't really make out and I haven't seen anything today, whether that was Alan's decision because it didn't feel that way or whether that was just his corner's decision because he was starting to take punishment from Fraser at this point in the fight. I think what Fraser will have learned from this fight is, and I was watching him yesterday, I think what he will have learned is not to not to get spoiled by another fighter, not to get his work smothered by another fighter. One thing I was noticing when he was fighting Alan was that when he was throwing a jab, he was he was sort of leaning in and letting Alan get on the inside and, and lean on him. And then the work could get spoiled and they'd both be tied up and it'd just get really huggy and messy and you just weren't really entertaining to watch at all. But then there were times where he'd he'd throw his jab in and he'd step back and he'd throw his punches and then he'd look good with his combinations. And for me, that that's the phrase that I wanted to see. And at times we saw it. And I think... If he works more on that and, and less, you know, on using his weight advantage and, and pushing himself onto fighters, then maybe, just maybe, he might actually start to get really good knockouts against fighters. And, and actually, that power that he does possess will start to shine through and, and make him look a better fighter. I think that's what he needs to do, but it's whether he can adapt to that and whether his next opponent will be able to work with him on that and, and whether he'll be able to get a style of a fighter that will sort of cater for that need. When you get someone like a Dave Allen who was there to spoil and hold and, and, and really just frustrate him, he's going to always look difficult and look sloppy and not look great. But that's where Fraser's experience as an amateur now transitioned to a pro needs to come in and he needs to start thinking, right, I need to take a little bit of a, a back step or a side step here, move out of the way, stop letting him come in. But he was also guilty of it himself. He was leaning on Alan as well. And I didn't like that. And I thought that was where he was making mistakes. He did get the win, of course. Not in the fashion he wanted to. And there was a lot of talk in the ring between the two afterwards. And I think Dave Allen complained a lot about low blows and used his experience there to do that. And I think Fraser now just needs to... What he needs to do for me is he needs to start to get these wins and get them emphatically because... People, I mean, he's, look, he's got six heels on his record, but when you look at his fights, are you enjoying the fights as a fan? Are you enjoying them? Are you thinking he can do more? Yeah, absolutely. You do think he can do more. So, what I what I see here for him is is yeah, he had a good fight against Maria Chwak, and he got his win in June. It went the distance. It wasn't it wasn't exciting to watch, but he got the experience. Now he's fought Dave Allen, so he's had two good experienced fighters now back to back. He needs to continue that trend. His promoter needs to continue that trend. The management needs to be asking for fighters like this and, and getting getting him ready for the big fights because if they want him to push on for titles, they need to be getting these these big fights. Obviously, there's been talk of him fighting Fabio Wardley. David Adelaide's been thrown into the mix here. 
You know, are these fights that he's ready for at this moment in time? Well, he feels he's ready for them. Maybe he could be ready for them. Maybe they could be the shining light fights that he needs. But for me personally at the moment, I'm still not 100% convinced with him. And I think I need to see a little bit more as a fan before I'll be 100% convinced that he's actually going to have a chance uh, winning in these big fights. So that was Fraser's fight. And moving on to Mark Heffron versus Jack Cullen, a fight that I was really interested in watching. And it it delivered, to be honest with you guys. It did deliver. I wasn't expecting uh, the fight to end so soon, but I didn't think it would be Jack Cullen that would end up being the British and Commonwealth super middleweight champion by the end of it. I'll be totally honest. I thought Mark would have his number. I thought Mark was a bigger puncher, to be honest. And, you know, they, 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 they really started to get going in the second round of the fight. And then within the third round... Mark threw a shot and Jack was quicker. And the shot that Jack threw absolutely took Mark out. And he tried to get up too quickly. That was the first thing I said to my wife. Is he, He's getting up. He's trying to get up too quick. He needs to give himself time. And then he got himself up and then he stood up and then he dropped again uh, when he was at the ropes. And, and that was it. TKO. Jack Cullen wins the British Super Middleweight and Commonwealth Super Middleweight Championship. Which I thought... For someone like Jack, that's a massive win for him because he weren't expected to win it. I mean, he was coming off the back of a loss to Diego Pacheo. I mean, he took that fight and and I knew it was a big ask and he got stopped in four rounds. And then you look at some of his fights, he got beat in 2021 by Kevin Leir-Saggio. And again, that was another situation where he was fighting for the European title, lost in six rounds. Had fights with Zach Chelly, John Doherty, Avrin Yildirim. You know, how good is he as a fighter? I mean, how good is Jack Cullen as a fighter? He's had four losses against some good, good names, big names. But for me, he's just upset the apple cart and proven that holding on to records doesn't mean nothing because, you know, he's had four losses in his career and he's come back and look where he is now, British champion, Commonwealth champion. That just proves that records don't mean anything. If you can get in there and you can fight a guy who you've got that style to beat, regardless of what sort of form they're on, it just proves, doesn't it? It just proves that as a fighter, you've always got a chance against a guy. There's some fighters where you think, buddy hell, they really are overmatched fights. And then there's some fights where you think, ah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be, like I say, Heffron, I thought, that's what I thought, that was my opinion. I thought, yeah, Heffron will probably just do this. He's probably got the power and a little bit more of a, a boxing ability to beat Jack. But Jack just proved that he was not counted out just yet and he's now got these titles and he now has got a position in the super middleweight division where he can start looking for those bigger fights again and you know ultimately get paid you know getting paid handsomely for doing it so fair play to jack for getting that victory it was a good domestic local derby between two fighters that i've followed for for many many years and it was good to see them both on the big stage and congrats to jack for getting that victory so that was another fight that i was interested in watching wasn't the outcome i was expecting but still I love a good underdog story. I love when a guy who's not expected to win can actually win and, and cause these upsets. So in some regards, it wasn't uh, a lose situation for me as a fan. I was kind of happy for, for Jack as well because he's a really nice guy. Adam Azim went 10 rounds on this card against Aram Fanian. Now, Aram Fanian, with 24 fights on his record going into this fight, was a much more experienced fighter. Now, in the preview, I said, you know, look, look at his resume and he's you know, he'd, he'd not really fought anybody of, of, of note, so to speak. He'd fought a lot of his fights in Ukraine. He's, you know, he'd not really ventured out very far other than to Germany and to Mexico in his last two fights. But actually, he was really skillful. And was it the right time for Adam Azim to get this fight? 
when I was watching it live last night, I was thinking maybe he was a little bit overmatched because Fanny and skill was was really good, and I I was a bit bemused by the cards and Adam Azim getting the victory. I wasn't unhappy with that. I felt he won the fight, but I didn't think uh, one hundred to ninety on a scorecard was. Uh, I didn't think that was quite fair to be honest with you on his opponent Fanny Anna. I think it was uh, a little bit. I don't think it. I don't think the whole cards. I mean, I don't know what you guys saw when you watched this, but I didn't feel like Azim took too many chances in this fight, and I don't think he did enough in this fight. I don't think Fanny Ann did enough at times, but I still think he was competitive in the fight. I didn't think he was completely whitewashed in terms of rounds in this fight, so I was really surprised when the judges' scorecards came in. I mean, maybe I was just completely watching something different because I was sat at a different angle from what I'm used to sitting and watching these fights more close up so but well for well from what I could see anyway it felt like it was very tentative he's not a bad thing for Azim because he gets the rounds in does it take a little bit of his knockout hype away yeah absolutely it does but as a fighter that's developing as a fighter that doesn't need to be rushed and as a fighter that wants to go on to do big things this was a really good test for him to to get those rounds in the bank against a guy who was very skillful I must add which is why I was surprised about the scorecard he was a really skillful fighter and he did cause some problems at times for Azim nothing he couldn't handle but problems that he needed to solve and he did so it was good to see him getting that little bit of a different experience it wasn't exciting to watch if he was watching it live on the telly you probably would have been bored and you probably would have been going and making a cup of tea or a coffee or you know a toilet break but for me watching it, it was more about like watching him as him and, and seeing where he was at and seeing that he wasn't being so overzealous in the ring and he was actually taking his time and he knew he was in there with a skillful fighter and he didn't take too many chances in the fight. And when he did land, he looked like he'd hurt him a few times later in the rounds. I think seven, seven or eight rounds in and he's starting to do a bit of a number on him and I thought, ah, he's breaking him down now. He's actually getting through and Fanny Ann had the experience and the wherewithal to actually stay himself in there and, and, and weather the storm essentially and go the distance so Felipe to Adam and I think he's gonna have a really bright future I think stop putting pressure on him you know as fans stop putting pressure on him and expecting him to knock everybody out in one two three rounds he's had two 10 round fights now in his last two fights and they've both gone the distance and I think that's what he needed I think that's honestly what he needed. I think that'll do him the world of good and when he does start to sit down on his shots in fights as his career goes on it's the experience in fights like that that'll really put him in good stead. And that was the card, guys. I watched the full card, really enjoyed the opportunity to go and watch the card live. And it was just mad with controversy, of course, with the Smith and the Eubank fight. But I did say I wanted to talk about Lyndon Arthur and Brian Suarez on the Friday night because I did watch that and I was looking forward to seeing whether Lyndon would be able to become the IBO light heavyweight champion. And I'll be honest, I genuinely didn't think he was going to be. He got dropped early on in the fight. And I honestly thought he was he was en route to losing on points. And I thought, his chance has gone here. You know, he's lost his opportunity to become a light heavyweight champion. But ultimately, it's the experience he had as a fighter and the skills he had as a fighter to pick a really good body shot in the 10th round on Suarez that had a couple of seconds delayed reaction on it before Suarez really felt it and went down and wasn't able to get up people will look at that fight and maybe think yeah he was a little bit lucky there Arthur you know he was getting beaten 
where is he really going to go in the light heavyweight division at this point in time? And I can understand people's reservations about him. I don't think we've ultimately seen the best of him yet. I mean, people look at his loss to Antony Yard, of course, his TKO loss or his KO loss in 2021 after he'd beaten Anthony Yard. And people look back at that and go, oh, well, that was his opportunity, really. But since then, he's come back and he's had four wins on the bounce and he's picked up an IBO world title in the process. So where does that put him at this point of his career? Well, it certainly puts him in the mix now for an opportunity to maybe fight one of the world-level fighters. Now he's got an IBO title, surely now that will bring some attention to him and that other guys will want to take up the opportunity to fight him. You know, if you look at the top end of the rankings in the light heavyweight division, two of the British guys are actually fighting each other in Dan Aziz and Joshua Barazzi, 21st of October, a fight I'm really looking forward to. So two of our British guys up that top end are already fighting each other. So if you look at where Lyndon Arthur is now, what would be a good fight for him at this stage of his career? Well, I look at fights like maybe an Alexander Gerdvik who's, who's come back after a layoff and got his victory in his last fight. I look at a fight like that for him, you know, a fighter who's got really, really good experience, a fighter who, you know, will be able to cause problems and give Lyndon that experience, a former champion in his own right, of course. He was a WBC champion. So, you know, for Lyndon to get a fight like that against someone like a Gerdvik and beat him, I think that would really rise his stock. You know, there's other fighters in the division. Richard Rivera, you know, Richard Rivera fight would be a good fight for him. Is it a dangerous fight for him? Yeah, absolutely, it's a dangerous fight for him. Richard Rivera lost to Badu Jack in 2022. It's an opportunity, again, to bring someone like a Richard Rivera over with a name and actually build Lyndon up even more on that world stage with him having an RBO title. You know, he could make a couple of defences against guys like this and it really would put him in good stead. Will he need to improve? Yes, absolutely, he'll need to bounce back from the mistakes he made in the Suarez fight but as a fight fan and someone who's been following Lyndon on the Manchester scene for some time I'm genuinely happy for him I genuinely am I'm happy he pulled that punch out of his ass to get that victory because he was en route to losing that fight and that just goes to show you know it only takes one punch doesn't it to actually end a fight and Lyndon did it and he becomes the IBO world light heavyweight champion in the process now after that fight that wasn't the main event. The fight after that was one of the best British fights I've seen in probably the past four or five years. Samuel Antwi versus Mason Cartwright for the vacant British Super Welterweight title. That was a real back and forth affair. Brilliant, brilliant fight between those two. And just when you think Mason Cartwright was down, he was back, he bounced back, he caused problems for Antwi throughout the course of the fight. Antwi looked mainly dominating throughout the course of the fight, but ultimately... He got to him in round 12 with a really emphatic KO and, and stopped Mason Cartwright. And it's that stoppage that has really now put Antwi in a position where it's like, look, look at me now. I'm super welterweight champ. I'm the guy you want to be looking at in this division. I'm the guy that you want to be fighting. Josh Kelly was there actually at ringside. Does Josh Kelly want a crack again at the British super welterweight crown? Does he want to become a two-time champion? Well, there's definitely an opportunity for them to do so if they get it on. But for me at the moment, I think this fight was one of the best British fights of the year. And I don't know if we'll see a better fight this year, to be honest with you. I really, really enjoyed this fight between the two of them. Moving on from that particular fight, will Antwi go on to have bigger fights in his career at this point? Yes, there are big fights in the division for him. I think he could end up fighting Josh Kelly. 
I think James Metcalf would be a really interesting fight for him in this division. Does JJ Metcalf want to get the British title? And well, we'll see. Troy Williamson, does he want to get the British title back? You've got guys like Dean Sutherland and Sam Gilly, Pat McCormack coming up as well. You know, might be a little bit early on in the career for someone like a Pat McCormack, but, you know, he's got the skills and ability. So I think there's some really good fights out there for Antwi at the moment. I'll be honest. I think now he's put himself into a position where he's got some really big fights coming up in his career. Well, to be honest, guys, I think that's about it for this episode of the reaction show. And I just want to take it back to the beginning, really, and talk about, again, Liam Smith and Chris Uban Jr. And just sort of finish up on this conversation. Will the rematch happen again? Do I want it to happen again? I'd like to see a trilogy. Yes, I would. But I think Eubank will move on from this. Was it his best performance of his career? I don't think so. Personally, I don't think it was the best performance of his career. I think I've I've seen better from Chris Eubank Jr. And I, I think Ab- Arthur Abraham was a really good performance. You know, that's the one I can spring off the top of my head. And people will say he's an aged Abraham when he fought him. But there are other fights for him out there. That's the thing. There are other fights for him. And I think the Conor Ben one financially makes a hell of a lot of sense. Would it sell out like a Wembley? I actually think it would. But, again... My issue was the weight the first time, and my issue now is the the lack of testing and the issues with the drugs testing around the fight and the fact that we've not really had complete clarity over Conor Ben in its entirety. You know, the fact that the British Boxing Board of Control are appealing the, the decision, to me, means that they're not entirely convinced. So I think until we get a bit of clarity on it, I don't want to see it. But it, I probably, it's probably going to happen. That's the thing, guys. We're probably going to have to sit back and and we can't do anything about it and we're gonna have to moan and talk about it on these podcasts but it's gonna happen at some point it's gonna sell it's a simple fact simple fact is it's gonna sell it's a fight it's eubank and ben it's the the sons of famous fathers who fought in the 90s and created some of the best moments that british boxing's ever seen naturally they're gonna want to sell this again like he was going to in october last year so i can see it definitely happening it's not what I want to see. Do I want to see Yuban Jr. fight somebody else? Uh, a Golovkin fight. You know, I wouldn't mind seeing him fight Golovkin, but I think Golovkin's probably done now. I haven't heard anything officially about Golovkin retiring, but, you know, will Eubank finally find his pen and actually sign that fight with Golovkin? It's possible. Absolutely possible. But we'll see. We'll see how time pans out with Chris Eubank Jr. Ultimately, for me, the fight last night was lackluster. Now we know what Liam Smith was doing in the lead-up to the fight and the struggles he was enduring. It makes sense as to why his performance was pretty poor as well. How is this going to play out as the months go on? Well, we'll get to see. I'd love to hear everybody's opinion on the fight. I've seen a lot of opinions on social media about the fight, uh, which is quite interesting and quite different takes on, on this from different people. And, you know, people still trying to defend Liam in the aftermath of him saying what he said. But for me, you know, it was lackluster. It wasn't Eubank's best performance. He was fighting a guy that was pretty much dead at this particular weight. He looked good in doing it and looked good in finishing him off. But no, I can honestly say it didn't really give us the same value as what the first one did because nobody expected a knockout by Liam Smith on Chris Eubank Jr. And I think we've... Sometimes rematches can go even better than the first and we've seen trilogy fights that have been absolutely amazing. But sometimes rematches don't go the way you want to see them. And I think this was one of them last night. 
Well, we'll get to see what happens, guys. Please do let me know what your thoughts are on the whole fight and the card and everything that I've spoke about on this episode. I'd be really interested to hear what people's opinions are going forward with Smith and Eubank. But we will be back next week. Johnson does return from his holiday. We'll be back on the pod together looking at big fight previews and reaction shows. And of course, our next career profile is out. It's tomorrow. If you're listening to this, it was probably already out now. It's the next episode of the Career Profiles podcast. We had a little bit of a hiatus for two weeks where we had our leave. And now we are back to finish off the season. So please make sure you tune into the Career Profiles podcast for the latest episode. And if you haven't heard any of our other content, you can find us at the Darker Side of Boxing, Career Profiles, Legendary Nights, and even our Ones to Watch show. Please make sure you do subscribe to us on any available podcasting app out there. Whichever one you want to choose to use, you can listen to us there. And if you're a patron, Thank you for supporting us through that method as well. You guys are absolutely amazing and we cannot thank you enough for your support. If you are not a patron and you're wondering what Patreon is, well, it is a membership service to the BTR Boxing Podcast Network, which allows you to get ad-free versions of the episodes, early access to career profiles legendary nights and darker side of boxing when they're released and then there's patron only episodes that have not been released to the general public we also have a patron only series called boxing through the decades which we are resuming very shortly but there are about seven episodes already up of that so please it costs as little as one pound fifty or about one to two dollars a month for you guys in america maybe the australia as well about two to three dollars but for that minimal amount that we ask for as a membership service you get everything else in return and you are supporting us and you're allowing us to get more fantastic content some great ideas some innovative new things to do you've allowed me to go out and purchase more equipment to go out and do more podcasts on the road which you will be getting more of so your investment into this show and into our network is going back into the show and you will get more content as a result of it so please if you are in a position to support us in that way please go and do it if you cannot do that that's fine but please make sure you like and share and retweet everything on social media send to your friends let them know about our series we really would love the support and we do really appreciate everybody that already supports us but that is it for this episode fight fans thank you so much for listening to the Big Fight Reaction on BTR Boxing Podcast Network. Podcast Network. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.